Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Denise Salcedo. How's it going, Denise? It's going good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday indeed. It is the best show of the week. Categorically the best show of the week. Um, but yes, we need to get into the show itself. We're talking about Sting. Of course we're talking about Sting. What else are we going to talk about? AEW and Impact? That's old news now. It's all about Sting. Here is the show. So, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a, I mean, really, there was no other title that we could have done for, for this week's episode. Like, usually I get up on a Friday morning. I'm like, OK, what's the news? You know, I'll have a look at, look at what the news is. What, what's the news topic? Really, there was only one thing to talk about. It was either this or the impact thing. And, yeah, it's just like yesterday, like the wrestling world went crazy in one two hour show of AEW Dynamite because not only did Kenny Omega win the AEW World Heavyweight Championship from John Moxley. He is now partnered with Don Callis, who in turn is partnered with Impact, and AEW are now partnered with Impact Wrestling. We're going to find out more about that on Impact next Tuesday. But also, Sting, it's Sting, the icon Sting, the man uh, called Sting, debuted for All Elite Wrestling in a segment with Cody and Dustin Arnanson and Darby Allen against Team Taz. And I, I said this on the AEW review yesterday. I listened to a lot of uh, you know, wrestling review podcasts. Um, and uh, yesterday was one of the days where I was, I was listening to every single one I could get my hands on. Like I was listening to you. I was listening to Wrestling Over Radio. I was listening to Going In Raw. I was listening to Fightful. I just wanted to hear people talk about this moment. And it was just this like, like sort of shared feeling of like excitement of being like, Sting debuted. And which is weird because like it's 61 year old Sting, but we're all like dead excited. That, that it Sting doesn't Sting. matter. It doesn't even matter. Like the age. Right? No, it's amazing. But like, yeah, I mean, what, what did you make of the moment? Okay. So first of all, did you see my tweet? 
<laughs> yes, I did. So, uh, you know, when everything was going down, you know, it was crazy. So first of all, like you mentioned watching my show, first of all, thank you. And third, like secondly, I was like crazy writing down all of these notes. AEW sent a press release like immediately following that. Everybody was posting like all of this stuff. So like it felt very chaotic in that like whole like one hour, hour and a half spear. And so... I went to yours and Louie's page and I was like, are they watching right now or are they asleep? Like, I'm not really sure what's going on. And I think Louie, his last tweet was like four hours ago prior to all of this. And yours was a couple hours prior to that too. And I was like, oh, they're totally asleep right now. I was like, they have no idea what's happening. So I had to, you know, basically tweet somebody wake them up. So I thought that was kind of hilarious, but um, dude, it was so crazy, but I got to say, it makes me so happy because you just, ans- you just, you just said something very pivotal. So you said you wanted to listen to all of these podcasts and listen to all of these reactions. I will tell you that yesterday, I can almost guarantee that anybody who has any sort of podcast saw a very large increase in their numbers. Why? Because people felt the exact same way that you did. They were like, oh, I want to know what so-and-so thinks. I want to know what so-and-so thinks. And that's how I felt too. Immediately, I wanted to do the same thing. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter like if you have your own show or your own opinion or whatever you want to talk about wrestling because it's especially there was this just this big moment. And for the most part, I think from what I've been seeing, I think everybody sort of feels on the same page where they feel like this was a big moment. And, you know, some it may not be like a game changer. Obviously, you know, AEW still has got a long way to get to the WWE level, as we know, just because, you know, the difference in history and time length and all of that. But it definitely felt big in the sense that Tony Khan has essentially been out here, you know, promoting his shows and, you know, kind of exaggerating things every now and then. But this time, you got to give the man some credit, some kudos, because he finally paid off the whole, the power, the shift, the, the power of balance is shifting and rest. And I was one of those people who are like, dude, you shouldn't have said this. Come on, you're over exaggerating. And, and I had to take back everything that I said, because the whole thing with Sting was just, it was awesome. It was a great moment. Yeah, like it was that and, and the impact partnership as well. Like, you know, I, there were a lot of people who were super mad at TK, like the day after, because they were like, you were talking about pack. Come on, man. Like, that's not the balance of power shifting. That's just, that's <laughs> Neville coming back. And Tony Khan's just there, like, looking at all those replies, being like, oh, just you wait. Just you wait. Give me a couple more weeks. Luke, I was one of those people. I was on my podcast going like, dude, you lose totally, like, you lose so much credibility when you do this. I even like put out a tweet saying like, you can't be doing this. Like people are going to, you know, start, the people are going to start not believing you. And then when you really are hyping something up, no one's going to buy it. And they're just going to be like, ah, it's just Tony Khan being Tony Khan. And so, you know, I had to take my words back and swallow them because, <laughs> hey, he actually delivered this time. And it's crazy too, because, you know, we had the sting return. We have this, you know, revelation or this big reveal that Impact and uh, AEW are now working together. And it's crazy to think that the third most talked about topic is the fact that Kenny Omega is now AEW world champion. And there's just a bunch within all of that. I mean, it was wild. It was a wild night. Like Moxley had a 277 day reign. Like that's not, it's not a short reign. He didn't have it for a month or anything. And then they just switched the title over. Like that was, a, he had it for pretty much all of 2020. 
it's wild. I mean, I can't stop saying wild today. It's because it really was like last night was so stressful. I was legit stressed because I was like, okay, I got to get this show up. I got to get my notes out. I got to make sure I tweet so that I get some hits out. And then like third of all, like I got to make sure that the news is being posted and whatnot. But I loved it though, because the better something is in wrestling, the more people are talking about it. And the more you finally feel like you're watching something that is fun and cool and newsworthy yeah it was it was so awesome like, I, I saw your tweet in the morning so you know a lot of people replied to it as well with like they you know gotta wake luke up and find out what, what he's thinking on this and like the the thing that made me laugh the most is that you know like I, I don't I don't open Twitter I don't open Discord I don't open YouTube or anything like that but if I'm gonna watch a show like this like I don't even do it from watching Raw and I don't tend to usually care about Raw I just don't want things to be spoiled for me in case something big does happen so like I open up Twitter and all of a sudden there's just people like me like oh if you look at Twitter now go away go like get, stay away from Twitter now and I'm like oh man I'm so glad that I didn't I, I did not open up this platform first and, so like, what's the just- process I just sit down and I watch the show. I, I open up my notes. I sit down and I watch the show. And then once all that's done, I then go onto Twitter to see what people are talking about. You know what? I'm exactly the same way when it comes to Taylor Swift albums. No lie. I do not go on Twitter when she reveals any sort of documentary. You'll notice that I'm very, very silent when Taylor releases anything because I like to have the moment, you know? So I, yeah. I kind of feel like you're, you know, you're in this moment. You don't have anybody else's like opinions embedded in your head. They're your own authentic opinions. <laughs> Um, so on the question of, of what could be next for Sting, um, I, I love the fact that like Sean reported yesterday that no one knew that he was there, uh, uh, which the, has been backed up by the Bucks since then. They were on John Alba's podcast uh, and said that they hid him in his own trailer for like the entire like the, the entire day, like minutes before the segment, they brought him out. And as they were walking through the back, all of a sudden everyone's head starts to be like, oh, what? Stings here. And like, you know, Sean said that he got a text from someone just minutes before it happened saying, like, if you're not watching Dynamite, you need to switch the channel right now. So, like, th- that was really cool. But Dave Meltzer uh, has said, I'm resting himself a radio. He's going to be a regular on television. They wanted this idea of a big star from the old generation, TNT, being back as a regular. Whatever physical stuff he does, they're going to have to do it very safely. There will be physical stuff, but I don't think he'll be taking any bumps or anything like that. But he's in. He's going to be a character in some form. Now, Sting said earlier this year that he could wrestle again if he has successful surgery because he had spinal stenosis, which is what Edge had. So... We've seen in 2020, Edge had that successful surgery and was able to get back into the ring. He was in the Rumble, the greatest wrestling match ever, et cetera, et cetera. So there is the possibility that Sting could have one last run per se. But as it currently stands, according to Meltzer, he's not getting, he's not having big matches. So I guess that my question to you is like, what would you like to see from Sting in AEW in this scenario? I just think I want to see something creative. And last night we had that big moment feel. And I hope that they preserve it. They preserve the feeling. You don't want it to be like, oh, it's saying he's on this week. Yeah, great. Okay, whatever. Moving on. No, I want them to preserve the fact that like, hey, this is Sting and this is a big deal that he's even on here. And I think I would like to see, you know, some big moments. I don't know what those moments are, but I would like to see them for him because, you know, after WCW, like, yeah, you know, a few years later, we did see him in WWE and he had some great moments in there, but I don't necessarily think they were those kind of moments that you would expect somebody like Sting, the icon to essentially have. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I think that the WWE run was like, it, it's a real shame because I wanted it to be so good. Like when he debuted at the Survivor Series 2014, I was like, oh, 
finally stings in WWE. We're going to have that sting WrestleMania match. There's so much here for them to do. And all it led to was a Triple H match, which was, I think, I think we could safely say now was misjudged. Uh, in that, like, people did not want to see WWE versus WCW. It'd been dead for 20 years. Uh, and then it was the Seth Rollins match, which ended in, you know, an absolute disaster. And it was very unfortunate for, for both men. Um, this thing, more, perhaps more so. So, like the WWE run was it's it's about bad taste. Like I, I just wanted to, I want to see something good for Sting. If he can get the successful surgery, if he can get into the ring a couple of times, I would like to see you know two pay per view matches a year from Sting. I don't want to see him wrestling. Maybe like one episode of Dynamite you build up as this really big thing. Like oh my god, Sting's wrestling on TNT and it's the first time in twenty however many years that he's doing this. But I don't want to see him having matches every week. Like I don't want to see him become a overexposed character i want to see him like keep sting special you've got something really special with sting so like make you said that you know you keep that momentum you keep that special aura and feeling about him don't put him out on tv every single week because the more you do that the more that aura goes away Exactly. And it's kind of hard to say because imagine you have Sting on your roster and you're like, well, I want to use him every week because it's Sting. So that is very hard to say. And, you know, you mentioned the fact that you don't want him to be you mentioned the fact that you want to see him maybe wrestle maybe twice a year. And let's just say that it's possible because, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but you don't want to see him become, you know, somebody like The Undertaker where you end up having these not so great matches because obviously you know time just gets to you and that's just natural but it is sad because then you know people start talking and people start saying negative things and then that really starts to take away from the the grand aspect of whatever wrestler you're talking about somebody like the undertaker and you don't want to see that happen to sting oh absolutely yeah like i I, I'm a TNA mark, you know, I, at least I was a TNA mark one, way back when, and I was a big Sting mark for when he was in TNA, but I am not one who is, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that his main event matches in TNA towards the end of his run weren't particularly great because what they were was Sting in a t-shirt and he had a nine minute match, eight minutes of that was brawling through the crowd. It was, you know, just like smoke and mirrors, which is like, what, what? what little can we do in the nine minutes that we have? We'll just wrestle through the crowd for eight minutes, get in the ring, sting a splash, Scorpion death drop, then we'll, we'll, you know, one, two, three, we'll end it there. So I don't want to see that from Sting. What I want to see, if we're going to get Sting matches, I want to see this be the big finale for Sting, the big retirement run for Sting, get that big retirement match, that big sort of closing moment for his illustrious career. A man who is- and he deserves a, a man who's been in WCW, TNA, WWE. He's been on these big platforms. And he you're absolutely right. He totally deserves to have that big retirement moment. That's kind of what I would like to see from Sting. And then with the, I, I don't know if I can, I'm not sure if like manager Sting is something I can particularly, like Arn Anderson as a manager makes sense. You know, like Jake Roberts, Tully Blanchard, like they make sense of manager Sting as a manager. I'm not sure makes like i can't quite visualize him like is he just gonna wear a suit or like a sports jacket but with the makeup that is and it's funny too because if he were to dye his hair black you would never know that this guy is you know 61 years old you wouldn't know that whatsoever at all i i I was stunned when i when he i was reading him yesterday i was like he's 61 i'm like are you sure because like like my dad is like 65 but like my dad looks about 20 years older than sting does (laughs) He could date my grandma, all right. I was telling, I was telling that to my fiance. I was like, you know, because Sting and my grandma have the same birthday, March twentieth, and I was like, yeah, you know what? They could be a couple. I could see it. Sting could be my grandpa, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no, 
it was just really cool though. But okay, so you know, obviously there was the rumors. There had been rumors about Sting joining AEW. To be honest, when I heard those rumors, I laughed. I was like, it's not gonna happen. Whatever. So were you like surprised that like even with the rumors, people were still surprised that it was, you know, him? Well, yeah. So I mean, I I predicted he was going to be there at full gear, like because they they had the merchandise thing where he'd stopped, like WWE and his merchandise deal mm-hmm. fell through, like they they hadn't re-signed. So I was like, okay, I think he's heading to AEW. He's been tweeting about it all year long. I think this is he's going to be at full gear. I didn't, but this is kind of the the, the genius of all of this, really. And I, I think the genius of of AEW and, and Tony Khan and the creative team they've got there is it was all one big misdirect. I because it didn't happen at full gear, I didn't expect it to happen at all. Or like, you know, I want not until the next pay-per-view. I thought they would save it for a big pay-per-view. And because the show was built so much around Moxley Omega and the world title, I didn't think they were going to do anything big like Sting. So when Sting debuted, it was like, a oh, my God, Sting is here. Like, so even though I as a fan and like and sometimes a bit of a jaded fan who is like, you know, doing this as his daily job, that's reading all the news and stuff. I still was surprised. And I proper marked out like this whole thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I I genuinely. I welled up like I got genuinely emotional about this. I had a tear that rolled down my my eye, <laughs> held held by the fact yeah, that you should have recorded your reaction. Oh man, I know. But nobody like, I, expected I, I, it. Nobody thought, hey, something's gonna happen. Let me, you know, record myself just in case. There's been times where I've tried to do that and then nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, I i said to ollie like i really wish we'd done a live reaction to the show like in hindsight i really wish we'd done a live reaction because we could have done the sting thing the aew and uh the, the title change and the impact thing i really wish we had done but yeah like i uh it was like someone messaged into uh the fightful podcast saying like oh everyone saw this coming like no you didn't no one no. saw this coming. no one at the start of that segment was like oh this is where sting's gonna debut no, nobody thought that whatsoever. And again, like I said, when I heard the rumors, I thought you guys are reaching like people are just dreaming way too hard. It's not going to happen. And that was just about it. And maybe that's just me being, you know, I don't know, not having these big imagination or whatever, but I just didn't see it coming. And so I was genuinely surprised. So I said this on my show, but I'll say it again. I had AEW on mute, okay? Because I was watching both shows. And so sometimes like I mute things, you know, just to kind of like, you know, balance things out. And when I was, but I was watching that the lights went down and hey, like there's, you know, something on the screen, but I thought, all right, it's just going to be nothing. And I'm watching. And then all of a sudden I hear, I see the sting words and I'm like, pause i pause and i hop over i unmute i put the big screen on and then afterwards i rewatched the whole thing just in case and uh it was crazy and it was really fun to you know really just like capture the moment and even though there was only a couple people in the audience it still felt you know really huge and my my fiance was actually watching the show with me and he was that person that grew up a wcw fan he didn't grow up a wwe fan i grew up a wwe fan so i think the moment was different for me than it was for him because you know he's somebody that actually grew up watching wcw versus me i went back and had to watch stuff because again i grew up a wwe fan and there are certain some people i think watched both promotions at the same time and then there was people that you know pick sides and growing up my uncle who got me into wrestling he was a wwe fan only so that's what i was shown i didn't even know wcw existed okay that's really sad every time i tell my fiance that he gets so mad he's like while you were watching like the lame product and trolled (laughs) me about it and non-stop 
And I'm like, whatever, like I know about it now, obviously, but you know, growing up, it's very different. So I thought that the moment uh, probably felt even more grander. It felt grander for me than it felt even more grander for those that, you know, grew up with WCW. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. The um, so uh, lastly, before we sort of move on from this, um, there have been the the uh, as I said this on my this show yesterday. If a tweet comes into me that starts with "If WWE had done this," that's, that's an instant mute for me. Um, and the argument is like, you know, no one was excited. Uh, if Sting had done this in WWE, everyone would have been crapping all over it. I um, I'm excited for Sting in AEW. I'm excited for him to do matches. If uh, Sting is then in world title programs, then and he like they, they put the title on him, and he then becomes the focus of the show, and they stop pushing younger guys in order to do Sting. That is when those arguments can then come in because I don't think that is the right use of Sting. Sting is a special guy, but he is not the sort of person that you should be putting in the world title picture, holding the world heavyweight championship at the age of sixty-one. It should be guys like Omega Moxley. It should be MJF. It should be these guys that you are building and cultivating. So yeah, for Sting, I, if going after the TNT title, I think that's slightly different because you know, like him versus Darby Allen seems like that's that's that'd be pretty cool. Like that that seems like a everyone pretty much everyone's been saying that since Darby Allen came in. It's like oh, it's like a little mini Sting. It's like Sting and Jeff Hardy had a wrestling baby. So like <laughs> Darby versus Sting for the TNT title, that I think that's slightly different. But yeah, like I I don't want to see them overexpose him and push him beyond his means. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Again, I think they just really have to preserve it, keep him, you know, fresh, keep him, keep not like keep him exciting because he could do that himself. But I guess just don't overthink it. Be simple. I think that's what WWE did. I think they overthought the whole thing when it could have really been the simple, you know, give us the big, you know, greatest hits and, you know, the fans will eat it up and they'll love it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, the way I would put this, don't Goldberg the situation because, hey, it was, it was really exciting. It was really exciting when Goldberg came back. I was super excited when Goldberg came back and then he won the title from Kevin Owens and I was less excited about it. Then he came back again and I was really excited and then he beat the Fiends and I was less excited about it. And now everyone hates him. which is, or like, everyone hates him. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that. But BTW, I do not hate Goldberg. I am not on no. that boat. <laughs> Love Goldberg. You know what he did at SummerSlam with Dolph Ziggler? That's what I want to see from Goldberg. Like that was an amazing <laughs> use of Goldberg. Uh, right. Before we get onto the mailbag, uh, looking at the results uh, from the viewership for AEW and NXT last night, remark uh, probably understandably, AEW did very, very well. Uh, 913,000 viewers, so not quite the million mark, but you know, pretty close to it, which is way up, obviously, from the 712 they did the previous week. It's the best number they've had since September 9th, and drew 1.016 million viewers in the all. Oh, sorry, that was the uh, they, they drew the drew. Sorry, try that again. That was the show that did that, was the September 9th one. And then the show uh, drew 543,000 viewers in the all-important uh, 18-49 demographic. NXT did 658,000 viewers, which is down from the previous week, uh, and drew 200,000 viewers in the 18-49 demographic. So, uh, yeah, massive, massive jump for AEW. I would really like to hope that that will continue into next week. Um, obviously, it's, I mean, Impact's going to get a great bump uh, next week because uh, the Kenny Omega's going to be featured on the show. So. I would like to hope that AEW can at least get into that sort of 850, 900 mark again next week. Because, yeah, getting a one-week viewing is great, but it's about retaining those viewers and making them come back to watch the show again next week. Are you surprised that they didn't hit that 1 million mark? Because considering the promotion and everything that went into this, I kind of think it's a little bit scary that they didn't hit that 1 million mark. It's like, where are these people at? 
Yeah, I to be honest, I'm actually I'm surprised that they didn't because you know that September 9th one did. And I thought the fact that it was a world title program, it's Moxley Omega. Everyone figured that Omega was winning the title. I think maybe the go home show for War Games, because there were some really big matches on NXT uh, this week, that maybe that might have affected it in some way. I don't know, maybe there's still some holdover from the holidays. I don't know. But I was, yeah, kind of surprised that it didn't hit the 1 million mark. I will say this, though, now the fact that they have sort of embedded into people's minds, if you've noticed, they've been doing little things. Uh, not all little, but certain things on the show that are making now AEW Dynamite seem like an unpredictable show. So, I mean, just even simple things like when John Moxley just casually dropped, hey, my wife is pregnant at home. That's something that nobody expected, right? Then this whole thing with Sting. Uh, another different thing, obviously a lot, you know, I guess you can say like bigger, but it was just now I feel that fans probably have it in their head or should start getting it in their head that, hey, I should tune into AEW Dynamite because, you know, something can happen and I don't want to be missing it because look at last week, Sting came out and then, you know, there's this, you know, news coming out the week before that. And I'm sure there's other, you know, little examples that, you know, will pop up, but it's just that's good. And I think that wrestling, wrestling shows need to have that because it keeps people tuning in consistently each and every single week. So like keep, you know, bringing the excitement, keep adding the possibility that anything is possible and anything can happen on the show. You don't want to go in knowing, okay, nothing's really going to happen. And unfortunately, that's pro that's the big problem right now with Raw is that you don't really feel like anything major is going to happen. And they used to have that element and unfortunately they lost it and hopefully they can get it back. And, you know, we're, we kind of have that with SmackDown, but I think SmackDown, it's more of just like the storylines and the, the stars that are on there that people really want to see. So each show is bringing something different, but I do think that having the element of anything can happen would really help, you know, keep those numbers growing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Funknown, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Funknown's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Well, let's dive into your Patreon mailbag questions. If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount. Leave a comment in the community tab labeled mailbag. Do not email me. I will just lose it. Um, let's get through these. Jamie said, uh, I'm on the ba- I'm back on the road running, hoping for 15 kilometers today if my old legs can take it. Best of luck to you. And my question is, when WWE stars left for AEW, there was this perception that it was the land of opportunity. For some, this worked. Brody Lee, John Mox, However, the likes of Sean Spears and maybe Matt Hardy, that doesn't seem to be the case. At that point, is it time to look at the wrestler rather than the company? I've always thought that you should look at the wrestler, not just the company. I think that it, yeah, a lot of this is a lot of wrestlers, they don't get the proper opportunity. And we've seen that happen. But I do think that a lot of it also has to do with the wrestler itself. I mean, look at Becky Lynch. She's talked about, you know, always being the 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 person in the shadows, not necessarily getting her marquee moment. Look at her. She's the perfect example of somebody that found a different route to, you know, get to superstardom. And, you know, she got over. And so it's kind of but I think it depends on your mentality and how you see things, because there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I do think a huge part of it is, you know, the person itself. Yeah, I, I we said this like even before AEW uh, came around is that like not everyone who leaves WWE gets to be Cody Rhodes. Like not everyone that leaves WWE is going to have that because inc- Cody Rhodes left WWE, right? Like they let him go and he was just like, okay, knuckle down. This is what I'm going to do. This is my dream. This is my basic. This is my list of goals. And I'm going to do everything I can to complete these goals. Whereas there are some that leave and be like, well, I was a WWE guy, so I'm going to get booked and I'm going to get put on the marquee, formerly known as or, you know, former WWE star, this, that and the other um so yeah i think it sometimes it does come down to the wrestler uh, i think that AEW have been guilty of like i, I think sean spears is a, is a good example of someone who is like oh this is going to be his time they're going to really show that you can do a lot with him and unfortunately they haven't done a massive amount with him like he had that one program with cody and then really hasn't done much since then i still stand by i think he should have won that feud and they could have extended it out um but yeah like i i, I think you're right like i think it is 
it is the it's it's kind of a combination of both i think in a way it's like but you don't know what you've got until like becky lynch is someone that we as fans were just like god damn why aren't you doing anything with becky lynch she's the best and the company were like no we're not and then she became this huge star and you're like see told you i don't know if there's any like those ex wwe guys in AEW that we're all saying that like that guy there with the exception of miro maybe but like yeah, miro, miro. But he's only been there for like a handful of months. It's not like he's been there for five years and we're going like, guys, come on, Miro's right there. Like it's been, you know, a handful of weeks. Matthew Makovsky says, hello, Danuk. My question regarding, um, my question this week is regarding massive pops that we didn't get in the no fans era. Um, what are some of the pops that you think the WWE or an AEW you wish had happened in front of fans? A few that come to mind. I mean, and Matthew's got a lot here and I think he might have named all the best ones. A few that come to mind, Drew's title win, uh, Bailey turning on Sasha, Keith Lee becoming double champion, Bucks versus FTR, the Becky pregnancy announcement, Roman Reigns' return, Pac return, Moxley Kingston feud, um, Drew showing up on SmackDown, Keith Lee pinning Randy Orton. Like there's, I mean, I, I don't know, Matthew, you may have listed all of the moments there. <laughs> I think the only other ones would probably be the uh, Undertaker retirement. Did he mention Roman Reigns' return? He did. That yeah. one. Okay. Well, he got that one. Um, and I feel like there's probably some more obvious ones, but those are definitely the key ones there, which by the way, I can't even believe the Becky Lynch thing happened this year. That feels like that was last year. <laughs> Doesn't feel oh, like God. it was in the same year. I know it feels so long ago, but yeah, like that, the Becky one in particular would have been an amazing moment for our fans. Undertaker's retirement, like uh, watching Helen's like uh, Survivor Series, and we kept saying it like, this is nice and everything. In a way, it was a bit weird, but it was like, fuck, man, I wish there was actual fans here to rather than piped in thank you take a chance like an actual crowd doing it poor like poor guy man like think about it like the biggest one of the biggest legacies in wrestling history and this had to happen when he was retiring like had he just been i don't know retired a year later or even a year before things would have been so much more different oh um, I mean, this is going to be very bad for podcast listening, but I want to give a shout out to your uh, nails that you've got there. Fabulous nails you have today. Oh my gosh. I should have redone them, by the way, but they're <laughs> a little messed up right now. But, you know, I try to add some color. I try to switch it up, you know, got to add some fun into your life. This is the well, only fun I have. <laughs> well, like Sharpay, I think you look fabulous. Brian Heath uh, says, Danuk, I hope you're having amazing weeks. What's a wrestling storyline you'd like to see in the next two years? Can't be an invasion or it can't be a ripoff of other storylines. Brian Heath, you're asking us to book things. Denise and I are not good at booking things or coming up with events and storylines. We're not creative people. Or what about like dream scenarios? Because mine, mine is definitely seen Hangman Page eventually become the face of AEW. That's not an actual storyline, but it's a thing that I would like to see well, happen in the next two years. Yeah. Ollie pitched this in the news yesterday, and I, I, I totally love it, which is that, you know, we're, we're telling this story of, of Hangman Page, uh, sorry, of uh, Kenny Omega has effectively turned his back on AEW because he's siding with Impact Wrestling and Don Callis. This is the time for Hangman Page to save AEW and win that world title and bring it back home and all that sort of stuff. Like, I... I, I like, and that's the moment that we want to see is is Hangman Page finally beat Omega and finally lift to that title, which it's it's a it's a little little way off yet, but I can't wait for it. That is a brilliant idea, and I hope AEW listens to that because I would love to see that play out. Uh, Timothy Berry, thanks for reading out my question last time. Um, I it was wrestling related, however, this time I've got something different related. It's a friend. Yes, I'm a friend, Mark. How you my doing? <laughs> <laughs> this just happened, by the way. This was accidental. 
my favorite episode is the pivot episode where Ross helps take the couch up the stairs. Can you give me your best impression of Ross yelling, pivot? You Oh, well, you already did it. <laughs> is that your impression? That's, yeah, absolutely. Pivot. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. I'm so bad at accents. Uh, pivot. <laughs> no, okay, that was so bad. I'm so sorry for everybody's ears that I just blew out right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But you know what we've never discussed? Who is your favorite friend's character? You could only pick one. It's Rachel. Rachel is Rachel? the best character. Rachel, she's the most consistent character throughout the entire show. She is the one who has got a consistent start and a consistent end. She is always the funniest person. She, her, like, I think that I think that Jennifer Aniston is so underrated on that show. I think she is. She stands head and shoulders above pretty much everyone else on that cast. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> Why not? So first of all, my number one pick is Ross. I oh, love Ross. Oh. oh, I find him so funny. Second. Monica. I yeah. love Monica. I, yeah. I actually relate to her more than I do the Rachel character. Yeah. Is it the cleaning thing? No, no. It's the more <laughs> of the, I, I don't even know. It's the very organized, no fun type of person. <laughs> like it it's fun for fun. you, but not for everybody else. It's, it's just organized fun. It's, yeah, you know, it's organized fun. fun. <laughs> exactly. I like to have organized fun. <laughs> No, I've I've always like because I my my biggest issue I've had with friends like I think by series ten you know the, the final series of friends everyone has sort of become caricatures of themselves so I think like like Ross and, and Joey Joey becomes like so dense he can barely tie his own shoes together yeah Chandler is like making snarky remarks uh, Monica's whole like oh everything's got to be cleaned so it gets ramped up to eleven Phoebe becomes a bit more dulled down and that's nicer Rachel is the character that from she's got one really nice of easy to follow arc and it's a wonderful arc to see of the the spoiled rich girl who you know becomes her own person and you know becomes a mother spoilers and you know and, and i think that that's that's really really lovely and i i think that oh man there was that person who emailed in last week it's actually Callum. i know because he's got an email about question there and i've just spoiled something really sorry bud um but yeah so i i rachel is it's hands down for me my favorite character well, she's third on my list. I love Rachel, but she's third because I love Ross. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but he's also a, like a sociopath. Like, he's yeah, a, he's I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to psychotic people, Luke. Some of us are not properly sane, all right? Some of us are psychotic. My sandwich. Uh, Marcus... <laughs> Marcus or Campbell. Uh, what's your favorite set from 2000s WWE? I really like the Taboo Tuesday Cyber Sunday sets. Uh, on an unrelated note, what do you think of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Never seen it. And my answer is the backlash set with the, I don't know what you call it, those things the that pincers. like, what are they? Pincers. Like, is that what they're called? Pink. Well, I think they're like, yeah. They're I call them like knives. Things. Yeah. Yeah, the Backlash 2000 set is so, so cool. Like, it, it's like they're just constantly swinging. Oh, it's badass. Um, I've also never seen... I've seen, like, a handful of episodes of It's Always Sunny because my wife watches it. Um, I should really give it a go myself. But as we've discussed in this podcast before, if I'm not watching something with my wife, then I'm just... It's likely it's not going to happen because I don't get... I don't have time, like, to myself to watch the shows because my wife and I watch everything together. And she already graduated from TV school. She's watched everything. <laughs> Exactly. She's completed Netflix. <laughs> yes. 
Um, Wrestling Talk Sign Guy. Less of a question this one, but just some, some clarification to a question that we had last week, which is, I, I thought it was interesting. It's a bit long, so do bear with us. Uh, I'm a WWE shareholder. After listening to you talk about WWE financials last week, I want to share some information that may give people a different perspective. Profit is not only important, uh, in, an important number to a company. I invested right after the Saudi Arabia crisis when the stock took a hit. And while I've received about a dollar per share in dividends, the stock price has never has actually fallen about $11 per share despite initial recovery, meaning that for every share I own, I have a net loss of about $10. This is because of what is known as the market cap, the stock price multiplied by the number of shares, which gives you an idea of how valuable investors see the company as being. The stock price has gone down because investors don't think the company is worth nearly as much as it was a year ago. While WWE may be putting more money in its coffers as profit, the total income has gone down without things like live shows. Compared to a year ago, Vince McMahon's personal stocks were worth about 300 million less. Dividends and profits aren't nearly as important as stock price, and with the rise of AEW as a leg legitimate competitor, if even not a threat, I worry that WWE will have trouble growing back to its previous size. As an investor, this makes me worry about its stock price, and I may be cutting my losses in the near future, despite record profits. What I want to see going forward is how WWE plan on growing their gross income, not their profits. First of all, I am so thankful for, for him to send in this information because it's very, very helpful. Secondly, I'm horrible at math, so this was very hard to follow for me. But third of all, I appreciate it. And fourth, I think I just have to see it visually to sort of understand the full scope of what he was saying right now. Yeah, like I need Wrestling Talk Sign Guy, who's been like, uh, he, he's been a fan of ours for, for ages. He's had signs uh, at AEW shows, um, like with like Wrestling Talk, it was behind Sammy Guevara. It's really, really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of want to sit down with you and sort of like have you sort of map this out for me so you can like really explain this because I, I'm too dense, I'm too thick to, to, to fully understand how stocks work. We need cartoon picture books. We need the <laughs> children's illustrations of how stocks work. <laughs> you need to put it in a picture book for us. Definitely for me. I know for a fact. You got to like explain it in a very, very basic, which, which, which he did. I'm sure it gets more complicated than what he just said right now. Way more complicated. Yeah. You know I never get. Why are all these people screaming on the stock floor? I, I don't know. I, I, do you know what I, a film I absolutely love is Trading Places. Like, I, I love that movie, but I don't know if I fully understand what happens at the end. Like, I don't know because it's all about stocks and stuff. I don't think I fully get it. I, okay, I don't remember. There was one movie with Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher. I forget which one. It, I think it was the Vegas one where yeah, her job. Yeah. What happened in Vegas? Yes. Isn't her job where she's like out there screaming? And I'm like, why is she screaming? Why are these people screaming? What are they doing? I don't know. I would love to I, find out. Yeah, we had this when we watched uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. And uh, my wife said, turned to me and was like, I don't think I fully get how they're making money. And I was like, they are. Like, I think like the best thing I could tell you is they are. Like, that, that is the lesson we need to learn here. They're making lots of money. If we have anyone from Wall Street watching us <laughs> right now, please explain this to all of us. To both of us. <laughs> um, with pictures, uh, please. Yeah. We need like Dora to come out and really tell us what's going on here. <laughs> hey, that's a show right there. Pitching to Nickelodeon. <laughs> Adam Gallagher says, Hi, Luke and Denise. I had a question on Quizzlemania about Vince shoot fighting wrestlers in 2020 that was taken entirely too seriously for my liking. Sorry about that. So I figured I'd pose a question that couldn't possibly be taken so seriously. 
What is the smallest weapon you'd be willing to defend yourself against an angry charging Brock Lesnar? No guns, that's cheating. Fun fact, I once asked Mick Foley this a few years ago at a meet and greet, and his answer was a Colt 45, hence my no guns rule. Uh, new patrons, so hello, uh, and all that. You guys are the best, even Mr. Davis. Thank you very much, Adam. Um, I mean, surely it's got to be uh, like the, the barbed wire two by four. I mean, that's something you want to have, right? Oh, you're so much more hardcore than me. That's a good pick. You know what I was going to say? A bow and arrow. <laughs> I don't know why. Wait, does that classify as a, he's that small weapon? He's too large here. We got to scope it down. If you'd have given me a thousand guesses, I never would have got to bow and arrow. <laughs> well, I was, over here. I was trying to not think of something that was wrestling related, more of just something that, of a weapon that I would like to use or know how to use. I was gonna, do you know how to use a bow and arrow? No. Oh, Denise, no. I, I would not suggest taking a bow and arrow then, because you're going to be there popping off shots and be falling down in front of you. Luke, I have a question for you. Are you, are you a Hunger Games fan? Uh, I have seen, I think I've seen all the movies. I've certainly seen the first one. Okay, well, you should know now that I read all the books. I watched the movies. I, this, I've never gone to a movie theater to watch any movie at midnight in my life. But I did so for all the Hunger Games movies because my dream is to be Katniss. I want to be Katniss. And so that is why I want to learn how to do the bow and arrow. Even though I've never taken a class or a course, never even looked it up, I still want to do it. Uh, Josh B17 says, uh, hi, Luke and Denise. Uh, what is the one show from everyone's favorite match on the card wasn't your favorite? For example, Hangman vs. Animega versus the Young Bucks of Revolution is almost everyone's favorite match from that show, but I preferred Cody versus MJF, although the tag match was great. That's a really, really interesting question because like that, that Revolution show, like, you know, we always talk about the Omega Young Bucks match uh, and Hangman Page, but like that's the same show that's got uh, pack versus orange cassidy on it which is a great match it's so good i have the perfect answer so let's mm -hmm. dedicate this segment to louis dangor the match that everybody liked that i was like uh, is definitely the young bucks ftr uh, yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i definitely liked kenny and hangman a whole lot more Oh, Denise. There you go. That was my perfect answer. I mean, it is a good answer. I mean, mine really is like, and this should come as no surprise to anyone, uh, apart from Denise, maybe. Everyone talks about Rock Austin at WrestleMania 17. It's the hardcore triple threat. It's the, it's the greatest match on the card. It's the, it's the greatest match in WrestleMania history. I already told you um, I'm never going to forget that ever in my life. <laughs> Flaming Live says, uh, before I ask my question, I just want to let you go. This, is my la this will be my last mailbag for a while. Funds have finally run dry. Very sorry to hear that, uh, Flaming Live. But you know, dude, you got to do what makes you got to do what's right for you. So thank you very much for your for your months of service. Um, first question is a tough one. If you had to give a follow up to one of the other two, I'm sorry. If you had to give up, all oh, right. If you had to give up one of the following so that the other two had a better chance of succeeding in the world, what would it be? Would you rather give up your career, your significant other, or your best friend? Wait, and we have to get rid of one? Yes, you have to give up one so the other two can succeed. Definitely my best friend because I don't have one. <laughs> oh, Denise, that's so sad. <laughs> I, I mean, I have friends, but I've never considered, I don't have like a BFF, you know, like your peanut butter and jelly. Like there's no, I'm peanut butter. There's no jelly. 
Oh, Denise, that makes me so sad. Because I was going to say, like, I would give up my career because my because my significant other is my best friend. So that okay, but way, see, that's a trick question, though. See, I could say the same thing about my fiance. I could say he's my best friend because he is. But I'm thinking more in terms of like a girl okay. best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I suppose that'd be my buddy Johnny. Was my best man. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd still sacrifice my career so that those two could succeed. See, I I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I think I would put career first. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh. I can find another man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I've said this, like me and my fiance joke about this all the time. I'm like, dude, like it's like my career, then you, then like every well, actually no, hold on. It's like Taylor Swift career. <laughs> like kind of go from there. I'm joking. Oh, of course, of course. Of course. Uh, JJ says, uh, hello to Nuke. Uh, I just want to say thank you for all the incredible hard work. I'm very thankful. My question is, if you could make your own six-pack Hell in a Cell match, which current wrestlers would you pick from any promotion to have a nice day jam that jam? So the Armageddon Hell in a Cell match from 2000. Pick six people that you'd like to see in it, like with today's uh, roster of wrestlers. Uh, I'm just going to pick six people that I really enjoy. Uh, Hangman Page, Adam mm -hmm. Cole, mm -hmm. um, I'll throw in Will Ospreay in there just for fun. I'm going to throw in Kenny. I'll throw in Tomasa Ciampa. And uh, I'll throw in uh, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, Drew's a good shout. I think I would take out Will and I'd put um, Moxley in. That'd be my only switch I think I would do from that. But that's a really good lineup. Uh, Jonathan Hedman says, hello, Lukewarm and Ebenezer. I hope you're well. Um, Wait, what? Ebenezer Scrooge. Because you're bloody, like, you're shoot oh, you're comments. Supposed, you're supposed to be yelling at me today. I was preparing myself. Oh, Since Monday, dude. I've been stressed out about this. Dude, it's coming up. There, there is a question that is coming up that I've been, I've been saving that my, my, my thoughts uh, okay. on, your sh on your shoot comments. But anyway, oh. hello, Lukewarm and Ebenezer. I hope you're well. Uh, first, Luke, can we all agree that the Star Wars Holiday Special is the worst Christmas Star Wars thing ever? Yes, it is, with the exception of the Attack of the Clones, which is indefinitely worse. Um, also, please tell me if Die Hard, Iron Man 3, Gremlins, and It's a Wonderful Life are truly Christmas movies or just movies that take place at Christmas, and what makes a Christmas movie for you? Great question, Jonathan Hedman. This is what the Patreon mailbag is all about. Um, so, uh, Die Hard, uh, Stephen D'Souza, who I uh, have interviewed on many, many occasions, I interviewed him uh, for my book, um, has said that, that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. While I may not particularly agree with him, I'm not going to go against what the writer of the movie. I'm, I'm not. If he says it's a Christmas movie, then it's a Christmas movie. Iron Man 3? Nope. Uh, it's just set at Christmas. Gremlins? I'm going to give a half on that. It sort of is, it sort of isn't. It's a wonderful life. 100% is a Christmas movie. And boy, howdy, does that movie make me cry. We watched it last year at Christmas. Uh, me, my my brother, my wife, his girlfriend, um, and my mum and dad. And at the end of it, like my mum cries every time she watches that movie. But this is the first time she was watching it where she didn't cry. Where'd you go? I got kicked out. You got I have no out. idea. I got kicked out of StreamYard. <laughs> Everything just went away, like the whole thing. Oh, that man. was weird. No That's way. never happened before. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll just continue where we are. I'm just going to do a little. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. We're good to go. My mum never. My mum usually cries every time we watch that movie, but this is the first time in years that she didn't cry while watching it until she turned around and saw me and my brother crying, and then that set her off, and then she started crying because me and my brother were there, like sobbing tears, because it's such a beautiful movie and a wonderful, wonderful Christmas movie. I've never seen it. Denise, I know. Don't worry. You can get mad at me later. Okay. Oh, it's coming. It's winter is coming. Um, <laughs> what makes a Christmas movie for me? As long if it's got a nice sort of like lovely sort of heartwarming message around it, um, that that kind of one makes like that's why I love Christmas. I love Christmas because it's all about like people that you love getting together and having a lovely, lovely time together. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Like Home Alone is a great Christmas movie. Denise, we'll get to it. Um, before that moment, the reuniting moment of Catherine O'Hara and Macaulay Culkin, it's just just. Oh, getting teary just thinking about it. It's beautiful. Um, Callum says, um, uh, this Callum is where we, we've got the Friends problem. Sorry, Callum. Uh, I watched Friends up until the end of season one after your podcast last week. It's amazing. Can't believe I've never watched this show before. Uh, I kept on thinking during this, I'm literally Ross. So my question is, um, did this kind of thing come to your mind when you first watched the show? Uh, and if so, what was it? like? So what was your sort of your first thoughts of, of Friends when you first saw it? I think my first thought was, wow, this show's actually funny because so the reason why I started watching Friends was I was in college and I was taking a TV class. I forgot what the I don't even remember what the class was, but they showed us an episode of Friends to show an example of something. And I enjoyed it this few minutes. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give it a try. So I think I went into this and I was like, oh, I had no idea that this show was going to be what it was. But I kind of had that same like that same thought where I was like, oh, my God, I'm so, I'm like too so i can get it like you 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 see a character and you start to think like oh i have similarities with this person so i started watching friends uh se season three was when I, I first joined on because my my brother my brother's six years older than i am and uh my brother and my parents watched like series one and two and they would talk about it and they loved it so like when i start season i wasn't allowed to watch it, it was like it was almost too adult for me because you know series three is like i'd probably been i can't when was series three Friends season <laughs> three. What? And when did that air? I'm just trying to work out how old I was. Friends season three aired in 1996. So I would have been uh, 10 when the show aired. Um, so I, I then started watching it because like, oh, the, the, the cool older people, like my brother are watching this and they really like it. And so, yeah, then it was just, I watched it because it was the cool thing to watch. And I was like, oh, this is actually really funny. This this is, is really, really cool. Now I feel like an adult. And now I can join in with the conversations that my brother, like I remember my my uh, my brother and my parents laughing about when um, Chandler grows the mustache to try and look like Richard. Aww. And, like, and they were like, oh, it's one of the, oh, my brother said it's one of the funniest things ever. Like when he walks in with that mustache. And I then got to join in those conversations to be like, oh, wasn't it really funny when X happens? You're like, I'm finally part of the adult conversation. Did you watch the, sh the, the show in order, like in order of the episodes? Yeah, because like that was like, so season three started airing on Channel 4. That's when I jumped in to watch it. So maybe I was like 10, 11 years old. Um, and then I watched it all the way through until the end. I watched it completely out of order. Like I bounced around episodes. <laughs> so I was very confused. And then eventually I ended up watching it like all throughout its, you know, completion. 
I mean, I, I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we talked about this a lot on the podcast. Friends is still shown like every single day, 365 days a year. Friends is shown on UK TV. Like there is a channel that is essentially dedicated to it. If you have got, if there's, if there's an hour of the day, Friends is on in this country. And they don't often show them in order. They just sort of like show yeah. like random episodes. Like, you know, over the Thanksgiving period, they just show the Thanksgiving episodes. So my wife and I used to have a game which was like, guess the season. So you, where you try and work out which season that it's currently on. Uh, you'd be like, okay, well, Rachel's got that hair. But Ross and Rachel aren't together. Monica and Chandler aren't together yet. It's so like, yeah, there's all of this sort of stuff. There, like the way you can play guess the season. That's really fun. I would like to do that. <laughs> Uh, Alan Monsoon, hello team Danuk. I'm hoping you're doing well this week. I've got another set of words uh, for Luke to say in Spanish. Oh, uh, no. Even though you may not realize it, I feel like Luke is learning and improving his Spanish every week, even though he's having trouble pronouncing um, nana, nah, orange. I can't remember how to do it, which was really funny. Um, so I, I, I don't know about this because a lot of people get, you know, keep sending us like, these Spanish words, but I don't think I'm actually learning anything. I feel like I'm literally just <laughs> saying words and then I forget them. Are you not retaining them? You're not retaining this information. You have to like practice more. <laughs> Yeah, if you'd have asked me what's blue, I, you know, even though that's what we did last week, I cannot remember. Um, but fork is um, tenedor. Tenedor. Nailed that one. Uh, knife. <laughs> What's the other one? Chuchilo. Oh, you're way off on that one. Ah, what is it then? It's cuchillo. Cuchillo. Okay. Cuchillo. Um, cuchara, then, I'm going to guess is for spoon. Oh, yeah. Okay, you did that one pretty well, actually, cuchara. Yeah. Good shout out. Uh, and napkin, servietta. Servietta. You could have had it. You just got to pronounce, like, you got to hit it harder, I think. I think you're speeding through all of the words. And instead of, like, focusing on, like, each, like, sound that each, like, letter makes. If that makes any harder. sense at all. <laughs> My wife says that to me a lot as well. Um, <laughs> Moen Carnip. Hello, Luke and Denise. Bluechew.com forward slash. Uh, use the code Fightful. Hello, Luke and Denise. Hope you guys are doing well. Glad to hear that Jeff Hardy is doing better after that scary bump on Raw. While it was unfortunate, I think there's an opportunity for it to lead to a storyline. After seeing that, after suffering that bump, Jeff loses his confidence. He feels like he can no longer be Jeff Hardy. And he's too scared to take all those sorts of risks. This could go on for months and build to a moment at WrestleMania where he finally does a big spot. I jumps off a ladder. Anyways, just a suggestion. What do you guys think? I never thought about that. That's actually pretty interesting. And I think given the storylines that Jeff Hardy has had to work with as of late, this one would probably be a little bit of an improvement over those. It really would be. Uh, Jeff Boltry, greetings, lukewarm and Hollywood Salcedo. I've been hearing that WWE is possibly pushing to get live crowds back as early as the Rumble. Do you think it's smart to have crowds back in any capacity, considering the upswing in recent uh, positive viral cases in the United States? No. So we're actually about to go in like a serious lockdown here in California. It's been like the news like just broke today where like the governor broke things down in like region. So we're probably going to go into like a three week lockdown. And so definitely here it's not going well. I don't know about like the other states. I'm sure they're not doing as well either. But I think uh, California is more strict compared to all the other states. So it's not looking good. And I, so Based on that, I would say no. But then there are talks about vaccines. And, you know, so I, I don't know. But I just yeah. doesn't feel like it. But it doesn't feel like it right now. I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, down in the summer. Yeah, I mean, unless you just do it in Florida, where just from what I gather, anything goes. Like, they're, they're, yeah. it's a law lawless state. It is so opposite from California. It's, it's weird. It's like night and day in the difference. 
LJ Mickey, uh, do you think that WWE or AEW has at the moment any talent besides Roman Reigns that has any chance of achieving mainstream fame like The Rock, John Cena and Batista? They do. WWE has Becky Lynch. 100% that is a mainstream star on your hands. Yeah, I agree. I can't wait to see her come back. I mean, I don't know when that's going to be, but I can't wait to see her come back. Like, you know, there's already been talk Marvel are interested in having her in an MCU movie. So, oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was earlier this year. It was before she got pregnant and everything. Um, Like Marvel were really interested in putting her in a film. So I think there is a lot of Hollywood interest in Becky Lynch because she has got star presence. So yeah, a very I, unique uh, look too. something that I can definitely see in like a Marvel or some sort of superhero movie. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Here it comes. Ket, what's up, guys? Denise, how dare you say Home Alone is overrated? It's one of the best Christmas movies ever. What do you have against it? So first of all, you should know that all my social media since Monday has been <laughs> flooded flooded with home alone stands attacking me the home alone stands are alive and well is that is that like a home alone thing oh yeah it's a home from alone the, reference from like the movie that he's watching exactly. see i saw look well I, <laughs> look i just think it's overrated okay it's completely overrated i don't think that it hits the mark in terms of like okay so he gets forgotten about cool all right then he has this little adventure at home. Okay, cool. Whatever. Then his mom freaks out. She's like the only one that cares. Like the dad, from what I remember, doesn't even care. Like nobody cares care. but the mom. They Not just can't really. get home. They can't and get I, home. Okay, you know what else available. I think is dumb? You know what else I think is dumb about Home Alone? Why are they so freaked out at the fact that he's home alone? Is it really that big of a deal that he's, he's home a alone? Kid. How old is he in the movie? I think he's meant to he's like he's meant to be under 10, I think, or maybe right. even about 10 years old. I was old. home alone under 10 years old. You give a kid a remote <sighs> control, you lock the doors, tell him not to open the door, give him some snacks. Denise, Denise you've got street smarts. You've got street smarts, kid. You're like Macaulay Culkin's a spoiled brat. Kevin McAllister doesn't know. That's the whole the setup of the movie is he he can't function on his own. Like that's what the first like the first 10 minutes is setting up the fact that he can't do anything on his own. That's why it's scary. Then he's left home alone. And then what is is Home Alone 2 the one where it happens all over again? Like the same it's, thing, it's like in, the, the the power goes off and they miss their flight or something? Sort of, sort of. They actually do bit like he gets on a separate flight to them and he goes off to New York and they go off to wherever it is they go. Home Alone 2 is not as good. I will uh, happily admit that. I try and watch it every year and I'm like, you know what? It's just not as good as the first one. It just, it doesn't, it, it look, I just don't get it. I feel like it doesn't pull my heartstrings. It doesn't like bring me into the movie. I don't feel the connection that everybody else feels with it. And I know that all the Home Alone stands are going to attack me because I've been facing this drama nonstop since Monday. I didn't realize how many people loved Home Alone. I mean, Denise, I, I mean, you broke my heart uh, on Monday, on, on Tuesday. That's all I'm going to say. So you, you broke my heart with your messages. Like, and I quote, Home Alone is overrated. And I quote, Die Hard is boring. And I quote, Christmas is overrated. Like, okay, it, Christmas you... is overrated, though. Denise, come on, man. It's so good. <laughs> okay, you were, you're a December baby. You would say that, though. <laughs> Christmas no, is in your blood. 
it's awful being a December baby. Do you know how terrible it is being a December baby when you're a child? You get like <laughs> my my birthday is eleven days before Christmas. Do you know how many years I got like, well, this is gonna be your joint Christmas and birthday present because they're so in close together. Like I have to wait the rest of the year for things like that. Like you want you want a, you want your birthday in the middle of the year. That's really sad. But I just <laughs> look. I just feel like Christmas is only fun the like the Christmas Eve, and that's it. Christmas Day, we don't even do anything in my family. Like Christmas Day, you just like sit at home and you're all bored. And then like Christmas Eve is fun because you get to eat. And the only thing I love about Christmas is opening presents, my presents. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not into Christmas music, Christmas movies. They're okay. But I don't get in that like Christmas spirit. Like, yeah, I'll put up lights. I decorate the Christmas tree. The Grinch decorates Christmas trees in this house. And it's all nice. And, you know, I I just like to, but it's not like something that I'm like, oh, my God, it's Christmas. Oh, Denise, it's, I, I never thought I would hear these words from you. I really thought that you would be a Christmas kid like me. Uh, but, yeah, you broke my heart with those. And I sent out that tweet where I was like, yeah, you everything. so many people responded to that. I was I was in shock. Yeah, I was I was so disappointed. Both you and Sean, because Sean said that Elf was overrated as well. I need to have words with him while we're at it. Please do. I like Elf. And I like Elf a lot. Elf is a great movie. Oh yeah, that also makes me cry. By the way, um, oh, it's so beautiful when they all sing. Oh, it's lovely. Um, but See, then you I think some... the difference too is that like you like like sweet, heartwarming stuff, right? I don't like. I don't like gushy like feelings and all of that. Like. I don't like crying. I don't like any of that type of stuff. So I think I try to like stay away from it. Um, but anyway, you you said all of that. And I sent out that tweet and I was like, there cannot be anything more in this podcast that will be any more controversial than those things. And then you said, I and I quote, I don't care for the Muppets. Oh, yeah. I don't care for the Muppets. Denise, I'll say that. I mean, I, I, I was about to say I was wearing Muppets pajamas. I'm not because I changed them this week. I'm now wearing t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pajamas. But I was wearing Muppet pajamas earlier this week. I was wearing Muppet pajamas when I was listening to your podcast and how you, quote, don't care for the Muppets. I don't care for the Muppets. Like, I just don't see what's so special about them. They're love. They're so fun. They're great fun. They're really funny. They're wonderful characters. They're just Muppets. They're just puppets. They're just dolls. I don't get it. And Die Hard. Die Hard was so boring. I had to turn the TV off like two seconds in. Denise, Denise, we're trying to get you over with this fan base. Stop saying these things. No, you know what? I am standing up for those people that are always smiling. (laughs) I'm sure there is somebody else out there, some miserable soul just like me out there thinking finally we have someone on our side <laughs> i'm that person i'm speaking up for the small minority of people i will say that i did get a lot of people reply to me being like i actually agree with a lot of what denise had to say on that podcast see and, uh, thank yeah. you yeah, see they're, they're out they're, there they're getting the ban hammer from me on twitter i'm not having any of that negativity on my <laughs> timeline <laughs> i'm kidding i'm not i'm not blocking them um, say, are you gonna take it that far are you gonna, are you gonna ban people if they say the muppets suck if anyone t- if anyone tweets me today saying the Muppets suck, you are getting blocked. Like 100% you're doing that because you're trying to troll me. So, Denise, don't you dare tweet me. I do not want to block you. I like you too much to block you on Twitter. But like- no, I'm going to start a very controversial comment right now. Very ready for the controversy. Uh, I mean- Teletubbies are better than the Muppets. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I like the Teletubbies. I used to watch them. How did that song go? Oh, I love the song. And then the little, the little son. You the love it. Son. You love it so much. And I know the song. I know the song. I didn't watch it when I was a kid either because I was too old when that show started. But I know the song. the song. And, yeah, and you're here going like, oh, I love the Teletubbies. It's so much better than the Muppets. Can't remember how it goes, though. I forgot the song. Teletubbies. Teletubbies. It's, like it's, it's, you know, it, it's one word. Muppets are great. <laughs> I so, forgot the I, song. That's one word. <laughs> And then the slime, the pink slime that comes out. Oh, as a kid, I wanted to drink it so badly. I wanted to drink. I don't even know what it was, but I love the Teletubbies. So a little story about me. Every year, because my birthday is, as you mentioned, it's December. December 14th, my birthday. Every year. And this will be the first year where I'm not going to do it. I go to the Prince Charles Cinema in London and I go to a Muppet Christmas Carol sing-along. And it is so lovely. We have some mulled wine and we just sit there and we watch the movie and we sing at the top of our lungs all of the songs from the Muppet Christmas Carol. And it is a beautiful, wonderful time. That movie also makes me get a little bit teary, particularly when Tiny Tim dies. Spoilers for Christmas Carol. Um, and yeah, it is. It's great. Last year, um, my mum has, has heard me do about, you know, because I always talk about this. And she was like, I want to go and do that with you because I've Aww. not done that before. So uh we went so it was me my wife my brother his girlfriend my mum my dad my father-in-law and my mother-in-law all went to the muppet christmas carol song and we all sat in a, all sat in the same row and we all sang muppet songs my mum bless her heart listened to the soundtrack ahead of time so that she could learn some of the words it was so sweet and i love that soundtrack and i could sing it now and it's just so and, and do the voices as well because it's great your heart is so red like so red and bright and shiny. I just realized that my heart is black. <laughs> yeah, because you're the Grinch. You're the actual Grinch. We need it's your like, heart to go three sizes know, that day. You do the stuff that I only see in movies. Like, you know, those <laughs> movies where people go and sing Christmas carols. I didn't know people really did that. I did that last year. I was going to like singing Christmas carols in the town square. It was great. <gasps> See, like, I didn't know, like, that. I guess, like, in my life, I've never done any of that type of stuff. So for me, it's like a whole alien experience. I said to my, cause my, my wife and I are moving soon. We're moving to a new area. And I was like, oh, do you think there'll be, like, a Christmas caroler group that I could join? And we could just go around. And she was like, if we are, you can do that on your own. And I was like, absolutely. And if there isn't, maybe I'll start one. And we'll just go around and we'll sing some Christmas carols to everyone. I have to send apology letters to all the movies that I watched. And I was like, wow, that is so fake. Like, no one does that. Like, who does that? Who lives their life like this? Who does this stuff? You do this stuff. You live the picture-perfect life. Oh, thank you so much. But it's here. And anyway, so I've got that off my chest now. I, I, I still consider you a friend. I still think you're a very nice person, but you're... It's okay. You People broke... can come hate me on social media. I could take the heat. You broke my heart a little bit. Um, right. We've uh, There's actually so many mailbag questions. We have not got time to get into them now because we've run out of time. People are going to hate us. They're going to be like, you didn't answer our mailbox mailbag questions. I know, yeah. There's quite a few that we didn't get to. Let's try and do one more. Actually, do you know okay. what? Let's end with this one. Let's end with Chris okay. Duncan. With the sad passing of Pat Patterson this week, what are your favorite wrestling-related moments with him? I feel... Okay, so I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio when Dave was talking about it, and I think mainly... Uh, not a specific memory. I think it's more of the impact of a lot of the things that he did in wrestling that I thought were just like, dang, like, one person did all that? Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I mean, I... My Pat Patterson, 
uh, is Stooges Pat Patterson. It's, you know, it's him and Briscoe with McMahon. And I loved Patterson and Briscoe as an act. Like what a, you know, a brilliant, brilliant combination of people. These sort of old, these old goofballs that are just sort of like, you know, the Mr. McMahon's like, it's Mr. McMahon. Like I love Gerald Briscoe coming promos for him and stuff. It was wonderful. Mr. McMahon is the man. Like it was and like them with winning the hardcore title, like Gerald Briscoe winning the hardcore title, and then Pat Patterson stealing it off of him. All of that stuff, absolutely loved. Um, I met Pat Patterson a couple oh, of years ago at Wrestling MediaCon because he was one of our special guests uh, at MediaCon. And um, I didn't like fully get a chance to sort of sit down and, and talk with him. But the one moment I did have is I was setting something up in this sort of canteen area. Like we were setting up to do a shoot. I can't remember who we were interviewing. It might have been Sue Young. We were in, like setting up something to, to do that. And then I had to go and get something from another part of the event. So I ran down these stairs. And as I was sort of like running down these stairs, I nearly ran into Pat Patterson. And he like proper like bumped into him. And I managed to stop myself and sort of go around him. But because of my mind was so focused on getting to my location, I hadn't really considered what I nearly did. So I just went, oh, sorry, Pat, and then carried on. <laughs> well, at least you apologized. <laughs> but I got him like I got him Pat. Like I was like, sorry, Pat, as if I knew him. And he was and he just said he goes, like, oh, that's all right. And I sort of like carried on my way. And it was until later I was like, I cannot believe that I nearly bumped into Pat Patterson. And the only thing I could think of say was like, sorry, Pat. <laughs> Like you could have literally asked him any question ever or like even or complimented called him, him. Called him Mr. Patton. Just at least, you know, something like showed some respect to him. But Sorry, Pat. No, you know, I actually think Pat, I would, I, I don't know. I'm not really a person that, is it weird to refer to people in their like last name? I actually feel it's more better to refer people in their first name. Like I wouldn't want well, anybody I, calling me Miss Salcedo. I'd be like, ugh. That's not me. No, I, I guess, but like I think in sort of, particularly in the wrestling uh, world, like you know, it's one of those, like, those unwritten rules. Like you know, if you don't go backstage right. and shake everyone's hand, then that's going to get you heat and stuff like that. And that's all I could think of was like, oh man, what if Pat? Like, because he's an old school guy. What if Pat's going to have like heat with me now, and he's going to be like that? That he's not going to know who I am. But like that bald guy, like what's you know, he ran past me and called me by my first name. The utter disrespect, the butter disregard that that man <laughs> has for my name. How could he? Imagine you would be like, hey, the, like some security guy came up to you and like, hey, by the way, you you gotta go home. We we had some yeah, comments right. about you. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Patterson had some comments about you. And we yeah, exactly. Having that happening around. Yeah, so that that's my Pat Patterson uh, story. Um, but he was really good at, at media coming stuff. And I heard that he and Kenny McIntosh had a great night uh, when they went out. We didn't get to go out with him because we were so tired. But we heard that they had a great night. Um, but anyway. That is all we've got time for on this edition. Really sorry we didn't get to all your mailbag questions. Unfortunately, Denise Salcedo is a Grinch, and we had to uh, try and open up her heart and make it three grow three sizes that day. I don't think that worked though. It shrunk. <laughs> it shrunk. You know, I told my fiance if he cries at the wedding, I'm turned. If like when I'm walking down the aisle, if he cries, I told him I'm turning back around. Why? I don't want him to cry. And he's like, I'm gonna cry. and I was like, dude, please don't cry. If you cry at the I wedding, we'd be so mad. They cried at our wedding. No, and that's okay. That's okay. Like, I don't care if people cry. I just don't want him to cry. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be like, I've even re I've even acted it out for him. I'll be like, walking, like <laughs> you cry, I'm turning around just like this. <laughs> and walking back, y'all can enjoy the party. I'm out. I don't know what it is. I can't have him like crying or falling. Oh, so that's the two things you've got. Like, I've only got two requests of you on that day. Don't cry or don't fall. 
No, I don't like him falling in general. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We just like I just find it like so like upsetting if someone falls. <laughs> Like it just it's a very it's a character thing. Like I you oh know how Vince God. doesn't like people to sneeze? I don't mm-hmm. like people falling or, or <laughs> all right, I'm done. Cancel this <laughs> stream and the stream. So I mean you're obviously a big Grinch and you hate Christmas. So like when do you put your tree up? Uh, we put it up like the second week of December. Do you do it like begrudgingly? Do you like like oh god, I'm putting tinsel on? Oh baubles. No, I'm I'm just more like all right, let's get this tree up, let's get it going. <laughs> so okay, my so it's me and my grandparents, right? They always fight about the lights. Something always goes wrong when we're putting up the lights on the tree. And so I'm just sitting there going, okay, while you deal with the lights, I'll come back with the decorations. And then, you know, we have fun. We do the tree. But then afterwards, it's just, you know, move on with your life. So um, because we're moving house, we're not putting up any Christmas decorations. Um, just because it's it's more stuff for me to like pack up again. Like we're trying to we're, we're trying to box up a house. Like the last thing I need to do is take more stuff out because I'm just going to have to box it back up again. So that means I can't put up Christmas decorations until like the 19th of December. Like because it's like literally just before Christmas, right? What? Wait. So when do you move into your new house? So we move in on the 18th. Oh, so you're really like day after I'm putting up my day decorations. After. If we could, I would do it on the 18th, but I think that may not happen. Like, I think that that's the other things may have to be done on the 18th. Is but it like, hurting you right now that you don't have decorations in your house right now and it's December 3rd or 4th? Oh, it is. It actually, like, it sucks because I walk up and down the street and everyone's got all their Christmas decorations out and all their lights on their houses and stuff. And it makes me gutted that I'm not one of them. Your street, like your neighbors should, like, kick you out of the street for not <laughs> participating. <laughs> It's fine. I'm moving. I'm leaving this street. <laughs> leaving this street behind me. Um, but yeah, like, but like, my wife and I tomorrow we're gonna have a. Uh, we're gonna do because we we make it sort of in a thing. We have like Christmas cocktails and we have like sort of like snacks and party food. It's like as our little Christmas tree putting up day. Like you know, an evening we watch some Christmas movies and stuff. So we're still gonna do that tomorrow, just without the tree and without the lights. Oh well, at least you guys are still doing something. Yeah, yeah, it'll still be nice. Like, um, and I, 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 I think that I can be a bit overbearing at times. Like, I, I think my love of Christmas, particularly like in the office last year, I was putting up the lights and I was putting up a tree and stuff. Like, I went into work early. Uh, uh one day, like December first last year, I went in early so I could put the Christmas tree up and put the lights up, and everyone came in. Like, Laurie in particular came in and was like, "Oh, because Laurie hates Christmas." And oh, he's thanks. Like, he's on my side here. <laughs> he's like, "Well, this is now just in the way." I'm like, but it looks so nice. <laughs> and how when do you take them down? Are you that person that waits till like July to take it down? Oh no, no, no. As, as soon as December's over, like Christmas is done. Like we and because like kind of like we were talking about with Sting, you don't want to overexpose Christmas. You don't want to like like you don't want to be Mick Foley here. Like Mick Foley, you know, celebrates Christmas 365 days a year. That's that's too much. Like because otherwise Christmas Day is not it's not special. Christmas isn't special anymore. Like I I sort of know a lot of people were just like, this year sucks. I'm putting my tree up in November. I was like, no, no, no. I'm still holding on till December because there's no need to put it up that early. I'm not going to listen to Christmas songs until December 1st. Does your wife share the same love of Christmas that you do? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think I think I've actually made her worse over the years. <laughs> I think she likes Christmas more now because I'm like, I wake up like, hey, it's Christmas. Like, so we haven't got an advent calendar this year because we're not putting like we have um so my mum and my dad got me this sort of like homemade advent calendar thing, like from a shop. And basically you just put your own little treats in it and then you sort of you take them off and so you count down the days. But because we're not putting up our Christmas decorations, you haven't got it. So we're now just having an advent dance in the kitchen every day. So we just put on a Christmas song, whatever Christmas song is on the playlist. We just have a little dance to it in the kitchen. And that's how we are counting down the days till Christmas. I am shook. I am shook. I didn't realize how passionate you were about Christmas. Like at all. I feel like if I pitched this idea, this like dancing advent thing to like anyone in my family, they would just like laugh in my face. <laughs> that is what you're talking about. Laugh. Yeah. Last year, my aunt, she's very like holiday type and she loves Christmas. Right. And she did a, a Chris, ugly Christmas sweater party. And I was so upset. I was like, thanks to you. I now have to spend 30 bucks on this ugly Christmas sweater for one evening. I was so upset. And I even told her like this year, I was like, if you're going to do a Christmas party, can you like not do the ugly Christmas sweater? Because I don't want to have to pay for one. Could you not just use the same one you did last year? Well, <laughs> so I did something really bad. <laughs> well, not really bad, actually. So I just went to the dollar store. <laughs> And I bought like a random $1 decoration and I got an orange sweater and I safety pinned the decoration to my sweater and I showed up like that and nobody voted. I didn't win ugliest Christmas sweater. So you had like legit a, 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 a jumper made out of garbage and you still didn't win. No, I did not win. I was very upset. Well, because some of the other people that came into our party went all out. Like they had like electronics on their sweater. Oh, like they went all out. And I was like, well, I didn't know we were going to get all creative. I was like, I spent $2 on mine. But I was creative. They're expensive. They're literally 30 something dollars. And I'm never going to use these Christmas sweaters ever. So I was well, like, you used Use them at Christmas. I've got like a, I mean, I don't have a collection of, of Christmas jumpers. Like I've got a couple, like I've got that, the Home Alone one I was wearing on the podcast today. I've got a Sonic one. I've got a couple of other, like ones that make me like an elf and, and this and the other, but I just sort of cycle them through. Like I, my, my wife said to me this year, do not buy a Christmas jumper. We do not need to buy a new one. And I said, you know what? I don't need to buy a new one this year because I've already got like five. Like, so that, that'll, that'll do me for a little while. That's insane. I don't never bought one, never had one. Like that that last year was my first ugly Christmas sweater party. Wow. We I mean, yeah, we did like when we get a group of friends together, we always try and like I I was trying to like have a different Christmas jumper every year and so as you say, it does get really expensive and you do only get to wear them for a certain period of of the year. They just take up a lot of closet space. Uh but yeah, we always get together. Not this year. We're doing it via Zoom this year. Um but yeah, like that the whole point of that is to try and show up in an ugliest Christmas sweater as you possibly can. It's good fun, man. It's good fun. I was just there for the food and because we were doing a gift exchange, so I knew I was getting a gift. <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say, I mean, you said like, you know, uh, Christmas is all about the food. Cannot, like, that is so, so true. Like, I love the fact that basically like for five days, I just get to eat all day long because there's just yeah. always food available and I get to drink as well. Like, I, I'm not a, I'm a huge drinker in my, my later years, but I am. Um, I only drink on like a Friday and a Saturday now, like Friday, Saturday evening. So like these are the days where I get to drink during the day. I guess I have like, I get, I get to wake up. I can have some champagne like in the morning. This is great. And no one can judge you because if they do, no. then they're a Grinch. They're a Grinch. Exactly. 
I'm gonna pop in. I'm gonna pop in on your Christmas morning and be like Christmas socks <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> or stop <laughs> drinking. <laughs> I'm gonna text you like very first thing in the morning. You're gonna you're gonna be woken up by the alerts because I'm gonna DM you being like Happy Christmas, Denise. It's Christmas. Are you those people that send Merry Christmas texts to people and like Happy New Year's? Dude, I send I send you a Thanksgiving one. Of course, I'm that kind of person. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm terrible. I don't send anybody anything. Like, like I don't send like Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, like Happy Happy New Year. That one I remember one year, me and my family were just like, let's see who gets the most Happy New Year text, and I got a few. I was so proud. <laughs> so me and Ollie, uh, a few years back, um, when we were very, very drunk, we were at separate parties, but like I, we just sort of texted each other, like you know, Happy New Year when it when it ticked over. And we were both so drunk that we sent each other like really like these sort of ugly selfies that was like it was taking a really like bad angle, just like pulling the stupid face. And it's now become a thing every year uh, on uh, New Year's Day on you know New Year's Eve, we text each other a really bad selfie to say Happy New Year. I love that tradition. That is a great tradition. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, you can expect a Christmas text from me because I am that sort of person. I'm like, I, I was thinking about this today. Like 2020 has been, you know, it's been a terrible year for a lot of people, but I've made loads of new friends. So it's been really nice. So like when it came to Thanksgiving, I sent all those new friends Thanksgiving messages because we don't have Thanksgiving here, but you guys do. So I was like, well, I'll just send some Thanksgiving messages. So dude, you can expect a text from me. I'm very excited. I, I got to say, I think this is the year that I've had the most friends too. So I might as well enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> oh my God. I never realized how dark and sad my life was <laughs> until right now. And I thought I lived like this very like happy, joyous life. <laughs> You're such a bright, bubbly person. Like you're I one know. of the like you're like literally one of the brightest, bubbliest persons I've ever met in my entire life. I was so surprised when you were like, Christmas sucks. And like I'm a Grinch and I'm this cold black heart. And I was like, no, you don't. I'm turning. I don't know what's happening to me. It's I'm nearing my 30s. That's what's happening. <laughs> Oh no. I mean, hey, if you're anything like me, when you hit your 30s, you're just going to get more, like it's going to go the opposite direction. And you're, that's when your heart will grow three sizes. And that is when you'll get like, like we'll, we'll do this podcast in five years time. And you'll be like, Christmas is the best, you guys. Like, I absolutely love it. Like Christmas is so great. Wait, is that your impersonation of my voice? <laughs> it's not, not specifically you, but like California. All right, that's it. That's it. Screw the Spanish. I need to hear Californian Luke for the rest of my life. All right, you got to continue on. Continue on. More Californian Luke. Well, that is all we got time for on this edition of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back. Uh, actually, Andy and Pete will be back tomorrow with the Smackdown? The Smackdown podcast. The Smackdown podcast is tomorrow, you guys. Uh, and then we'll be back next week with the usual Raw and AEW reviews. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 